Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. This is Haley, and I've spent most of my swimming career squinting at pace clocks or trying to catch a glimpse of my watch during intervals. If you're like me and love knowing your swim splits but hate finding a clock, there's a better way. Form Swim Goggles are the first premium goggles with a smart display that shows your metrics while you swim. You heard that right. Form Goggles have a see-through display in one of the eye cups so you can see your splits, pace, distance, or any other metric right in front of you. I've done a few workouts with the Form Swim Goggles, and the coolest thing is once you press start, the goggles actually know when you're swimming and when you're resting. There's no need to press another button until you finish your workout. Want to learn more? Head to formswim.com. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. Hi, Haley. How's it going this week? What's going on in Montana? Alyssa, it is like 60 degrees outside. I can't see a cloud from my view. It's beautiful and sunny, and that just definitely helps my mood immensely. So I'm I'm doing probably the best that I feel like I've been doing in the recent weeks, which again shows that there can be ebbs and flows to our daily moods. So I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, that's awesome. I am doing all right, too. I feel like the time actually just seems to I feel like spending more time in my apartment, the days are actually going by quicker because I feel like I'm cooking more and then cleaning more and like doing a lot of household chores that I think normally I would just like put off and just like hold a blind eye to them until it got like so bad I couldn't even live there anymore so now I'm actually trying to like upkeep I guess chores and things daily life and that like helps pass the days a little bit and so all of a sudden it's like a Monday here again but not a whole lot new in my world I've been watching a lot of old survivor seasons to like get me through um some of this which is fun because a lot of that's like pre-HD and for any other survivor fans out there survivor used to be like really hardcore they were doing like 
really, really crazy hard challenges where it's like physical, physical, like wrestling and like tackling and things like that. And I think they cut those all out because now we're so worried about like concussions and safety and things that we should be worried about. So I think that's part of the change, but it's fun to go back and like watch some of that, I guess. But I also saw a really cool movie this week called Pretty Strong. And I wanted to give that a little shout out. It's about uh, profiles, I think five or six women who are rock climbers and it's by Never Not Collective, I think. You have to Google that. Google the movie Never Not Collected Collective or something like that. Um, you rent it on Vimeo for like $5. It's worth the $5. It's not suitable for kids. There's a lot of swearing and a couple of scenes you probably don't want kids to necessarily see. But for adult-aged women, it's like a great thing. It makes you really excited to for the, the normal times to come. But it also, I think, makes you excited for maybe this interim time when we don't have races on the horizon and like it's a little uncertain when that is going to be happening again but there will be a time I think in the you know year here where we're allowed to get outside and take advantage of some of the like nature adventures that's around us and it gets you kind of pumped up and excited and maybe gets some like juices flowing about things you could do in that sense but I'm not going to be able to like take on any rock climbing adventures anytime soon but I like to dream about that I guess. I love watching people do things I wouldn't necessarily want to do, which pretty strong. I'll have to look that one up. I haven't seen it. And Survivor kind of falls in that category as well. Is it interesting to watch Survivor when you know who wins? So I have this really good talent, really, that I I can just forget. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> Even though I have seen quite a few of the past seasons, it all gets jumbled. And now they've done so many, like, fan versus favorites and, like, villains versus hero episodes, like seasons and things like that. So a lot of the people have actually played quite a few times. And so things always, I just feel like, get jumbled in my brain anyway. The, the most confusing thing is watching the current season concurrently with, like, past seasons. Because then I get, like, really confused with players from, like, 10 years ago. And I'm, I, like, never remember exactly what's going on week to week. But it's fun that way, too. But, yeah, I, I mean, books I can reread all the time because I never remember the ending, Haley. Like, I just... I don't know if it's like, I think if I think really hard, I can probably piece it together, but I just choose not to remake that pathway in my brain. And I'm just like, I'll just blissfully venture into that ending once again and find out as if it was new. I love framing that as a talent. I have actually watched a show recently that I thought was pretty good for the trainer or for just sitting around. I watched, have you seen Mrs. America? No. It's on Hulu, I think. Okay. It's it's like the first three episodes just came out, and I th- I mean the acting is incredible. It's like Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth Banks, Rose Byrne. I mean, there's a couple more just amazing female actors, and then it's basically about you would love it. It's about the '70s and about equal rights amendment. And uh, basically centers on Kate Blanchett's character, who is Phyllis Schlafly, who is like working against the Equal Rights Amendment. And I love that kind of thing where they show both sides to a story because it, it shows, you know, it's just it's very interesting to see where she was coming from. Why wouldn't she want gender equality? And it, it frames that argument while also showing, you know, the feminists that are working for gender equality. And it's just really good acting, well-written, great costumes, fun to watch as well. 
And I would recommend it. I think the first three episodes are out. I think it's going to be like a nine-part miniseries or something like that. Worth a worth a watch. I watched on Hulu. If uh, I don't know if it's on like F- FX made it, I think so. I don't know if there's another way to get to it. But okay, I'll investigate. I'm not. I think there's something else I wanted to watch on Hulu too. So maybe I'll just have to get my subscription back and running there. But that sounds like it is right up my alley. So that's good. And I know you also have been busy this week with a mini episode that came out and you talked to Dr. Kristen Keim again, right? I did. We had Kristen Keim on the, on the main podcast twice in the past couple of years. And so I asked her to come on in the format of a mini episode, just to specifically talk about mental health as we are self quarantining, as races are canceled and the unique pressures we're under right now and what we can be doing for our mental health and it was a conversation that I needed to hear and I figured a lot of other people could uh benefit from that as well so I'm glad we got to release that so it's it's out on the on the Iron Woman feed if anyone wants to listen to it and you know it's kind of nice only having like a 15 or so minute uh conversation sometimes it's like your dog walking conversation that's what I've like I've decided to call them instead of mini episodes they're like dog walk episodes or cat walks maybe if people take their cats for walks I've seen it happen I have seen a couple of my friends on Instagram who I think are, I don't, you know, looking for activities. I think we're just all looking for new ways to entertain ourselves and that they've been taking their cats out on walks. So, you know, yeah, dog or cat walk. I was going to say that's like the perfect frame to just throw in your headphones, head out for a little walk and Ramona will love it, I'm sure. So um, everyone, make sure you listen to that. And Haley, we... I don't think very many people are still swimming at this point, but we are kind of rounding that corner into open water swimming season where some people might start to be able to get back in the water and get the feel of the water. I don't even remember what water feels like, but to be quite honest, I haven't missed it that much, I have to say. So, um, but we do have an announcement from our podcast sponsor, Form Goggles, and they are currently looking to sponsor some more athletes um, through like an ambassador program that they are doing. So if you are interested, they are taking applications, even though we all know this is a a crazy time for for swimming and sports, but you can go to formswim.com and scroll to the bottom, click on sponsorships, and there's a little application there. So if you're interested in being sponsored by Form Goggles, definitely check that out and apply there this week. And big thank you to Form Swim goggles for sponsoring this podcast we we appreciate your support and we can't wait till we're back in the water using our form swim goggles regularly a list of the other news this will of recent weeks is that live feisty has more happy hours these happy hours have been going on for a couple weeks now i've been able to to uh, attend a few of them and they are a good time there's been a variety of guests you can be as interactive or as non-interactive as you want if you want to ask questions they have a good you know, method for asking those questions, or if you just want to listen, there's, it's a good, you know, a good way to sit there and listen. But do you know who's coming up today when this comes out? I do. I got the email because if you have been to a live feisty or even just inquired about the live feisty happy hours before, then you are getting the emails now with the links and the kind of upcoming guests, I guess, for the, for the happy hour, the upcoming leaders for the happy hour. And so this week um, on Thursday, so today, if you were listening to this on the day that Iron Women comes out, they have Dana Platon and Rachel Joyce from Reynas. So super excited to hear that conversation. And I believe we already announced what's happening next Wednesday too, right, Haley? 
Yes. Next Wednesday is Lisa Ingerfield, who is one of the founders of the Outspoken Summit. I believe all of these happen at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And all of those three women, Rachel Joyce, Dana Platon, Lisa Ingerfield, we've all had them as guests on the podcast. They are fantastic women. And I enjoy kind of catching up with these past guests and seeing how they're handling the current situation and what advice they have, because they are usually very wise women who have good life advice, good advice for sport. And we can learn a lot. And Alyssa, I am just loving Zoom happy hours these days. I've done a couple more. I've done the Live Feisty ones. We had a Smash Fest Queen one. We, um, I actually did one with like two of my best friends who've like moved away. And then I did one with my University of Georgia swimming front teammates. And Oh, and then there's a Dynamo one, the Dynamo multi-sport one. So I feel like my my virtual social life is like booming right now. It's been fantastic. <laughs> it is funny how I hope that, you know, some of these ways that people have found to be connected does stay. Like even when we're allowed to be going back out in the world and life is a little bit busier, it'll be nice to see some of that kind of connectivity, I guess, remain. And I think it's forced us to be a little bit creative, but I think people have gotten a lot out of it. And I know it's nice to see faces and like, even like I've said before, I, my life clearly is pretty isolating in general with like training and everything else that's going on because not that much has had to change for me. Um, so it would be, you know, it has been nice to kind of feel a little bit more connected than ever. And I do, I just, you know, I don't know if we need to continue with, Zoom happy hours or what, but whatever needs to happen to keep the feelings going, then, you know, it'll be a good time. I think once, once things get back to normal, there's something just powerful about all being kind of attentive at one time. I mean, I love the podcasting format, of course, and I love the, the flexibility that comes with that, but there is something about like maybe having a adult beverage or non-adult beverage while kind of seeing people's faces that has, I think that has helped my mood in general, sunshine, virtual connectivity, um, not feeling so alone that has helped me over the last couple of weeks, but anyway, definitely join, join in for part or all or one or two or however, whatever your schedule allows, uh, those live feisty happy hours. Also on the live feisty social channels this week, keep an eye out. They did announce the winners of the pimp my pain cave contest. So if you haven't been notified, sorry, you were not one of the winners, but... Oh, Alyssa, does that mean I didn't win? I did not get an email today. Oh, bummer. I know, I know. Sorry to break the news, but... But um, somewhere out there are nine happy people, nine happy there winners. Are, they hopefully are very, very happy because that was a pretty sweet contest. So um, thank you to the sponsors who made that possible. And I really look forward to seeing who won all of the sweet prizes, especially that Wahoo kicker. I want to see who won the gooder sunglasses and what they picked because there's so many options. I feel like that should be part of the requirement of the prize is like posting a picture of yourself with the prize on social media. I mean, I feel like, yeah, with the gooders, you have to, well, I've also when I run debating, when I run the Haley Chura prize, when I run <laughs> the Haley Chura contest, it will also come with requirements that you must show me what you won. <laughs> I've just been like contemplating. I've had the gooder tab up on my browser and I'm like looking at some of the new styles and I would, I would appreciate if they would just show me, like you said, what they picked so that I can see how it looks and get some more like lifestyle images in my head before I make my final picks. So that would be, that'd be nice. Yes. But Alyssa moving on, do we have any mailbag questions this week? Haley, we do. So I loved this question that came in and it gave us both a good laugh, which we'll get into here. 
So this question comes from Amelia and she is looking for advice on how to determine how far and fast I'm actually running on a treadmill. The treadmill distance never matches what the watch says with or without the foot pod dongle. And she's wondering what some of the best practices or ways to accurately train with a treadmill, um, either for distance or pace. And can she really trust how far the treadmill says she's going or even how fast? So I love this question because I love treadmills and I do a lot of my running on treadmill. I do a lot of my training on my treadmill. And it's funny because Haley, I don't think I have ever, I mean, I have definitely run thousands of miles on treadmills. I want to say tens of thousands, but that might be a little extreme, but I have never once turned my watch on to the indoor treadmill setting in all of my miles of treadmill running. And quite honestly, a lot of those times I'm doing some like workouts where I might have rest breaks and things like that. And I, I guess I just don't overthink a lot of it. And so I think that with treadmills, you can use them as a tool. And so in terms of like determining your exact pace and your exact accuracy of like distance and things like that, right? Like we can make some estimates, but it should be taken a little bit with a grain of salt and doesn't need to be like taken a hundred percent. I think that's like a good rule to remember. And I think that as you, I don't know, do you ever like, do you really take what it says on the treadmill? I mean, I usually take the treadmill thing at face value, knowing it could be calibrated a little on or a little off, but like I go with kind of what the interface in front of me says. So I definitely do run on treadmills. I do start my watch. And a lot of the reason for that is because I, I love heart rate data. And so I use heart rate data a lot. And even sometimes when I'm running on a treadmill, I will actually try to hit a certain heart rate versus a certain pace, which does kind of take out the the calibration issue because I'm going for a certain effort. Uh, that said, like leading up to my CIM race and trials, I ran a lot on pace and I acknowledged that there can be some fluctuation in treadmill calibration. I When I'd run at the gym, I try to always get the same treadmill just because that way if it's off, at least it's off by the same amount every single week. And I kind of, kind of can feel it out. I can tell you that the the treadmill at the gym is definitely calibrated different than the treadmill I have in my garage. And, and again, I can tell that just from, I mean, it's probably, it's a significant difference. I would say it's maybe like half mile or mile per hour difference. And, um, and part of that is just, I, I know my pace and I know my body and I can look at my heart rate and, yeah, it sucks a little bit when I run in my gym and I, I can't hit a pace that I can in the gym or I run in my garage and I can't hit a pace, you know, see the interface, see that number that I can in my, in the gym. But I also know in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's about effort and it's about getting what I, you know, the effort out of, um, the, the workout that I wanted. And, that's, I can't think in my mind, I'm able to kind of separate the two and that helps a lot because, and I, I also try, it's one reason I still have a gym membership. Cause I know I don't want to pay for a brand new treadmill. Like that cost, that cost to me is more than the value of having perfectly calibrated data. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I think that's two really good points. Like heart rate, I think is a really great way to 
kind of judge those efforts and like using the treadmill as the tool to push you to the effort that is being intended. Right. So, you know, I too, I have my lucky treadmill at the gym and I always try and get that one. And, you know, and I haven't quite figured out if it's even calibration or just like the temperature of wherever the treadmill could be, or like even the space, like if you're in a tiny room with a treadmill, it's going to feel a lot harder than if you're in like an open gym with a treadmill. Right. And you have a lot to look at and distract you and things like that. So those kinds of things. I get the one near the outlet so I can bring my own fan and yes. plug that in. So that's it's also like, but I do yes. bring an extension cord just in case that one is um, taken, then I can still get the fan on a further away treadmill. So there's some other parts to it too. I, yeah, Amelia, I could talk about treadmill neuroses all day. I mean, there's, there's treadmills that I think are harder because they don't reset at an hour. So like the, I always think, you know, like some treadmills, I know I get that break. And so in my head, that's like an easier treadmill, like, and it's all a mental thing, right? Because you know, you're going to like get these reset breaks for like 30 seconds while you hit start again to keep going. So there's a lot going on with this treadmill question. Um, and Amelia, I'm sorry, I've completely like gone down this rabbit hole, but we do have a funny story. So there's actually back in the day, you know, trying to figure out exactly like, so I will also say that I have looked at a lot of data from my athletes in terms of what the watch gives them when they're running. And I can say that I'm not entirely sure if they have foot pods or not, but there's a lot of data that your watch will give you, especially I think if you're just wearing a watch that does not come close to accurately measuring the distance that it thinks you've traveled. Right. So, um, I will say that. And then I am coached by Hillary Biscay and you know, she, at one point when we, I was, first started kind of working with her and we were talking about the same subject and I was pretty convinced like one treadmill was like really far off and I was trying to use my parents treadmill I think at home that year and they had like a pretty old treadmill one that's like really loud and really old and like my dad put it together so I don't know how much trust we could have in like the calibration of it right so she was like oh yeah you just like bring your bike put it on it and like hold the bike on with the computer on your bike on and like someone's not riding the bike on the treadmill but like holding just like straddling the treadmill or something and like physically holding the bike on the treadmill belt and then you just like ramp up the treadmill speed to you know ideally like you know each little mile per hour and you just see if it matches what your bike computer says and so I like took this and I actually, I actually did this at one point and it was actually really close. I have to say like the, it didn't match up quite well when I did it with my parents treadmill that time. And Haley, I think Hillary told you that same thing, right? About how to calibrate your treadmill. She did tell me that same story and I decided it wasn't worth it. Again, it was not worth <laughs> the risk of injury. I just acknowledge that my treadmill is, is like you said, it's older, it's cheaper and it, it allows me to run indoors, which is mostly where I see the value. And I understand the data is off a little bit, but that's like, eh, I can, I can manage. But, um, I just was always afraid the bike would just like fly off the back. And then, um, and maybe it's even worse knowing that it's that accurate, but how do you know your bike computer is accurate? Well, I mean, that's the rabbit hole you can go down. So you're like again, out there with a, like a, then you're going to go out with like a, one of those wheelie things and you're like measuring <laughs> on the road and you're making sure your bike computer is totally accurate too. <laughs> you could, I so there like is, could be a good quarantine I came across activity. This, this is the last thing I'll say about treadmill calibration is that if you, I know a lot of runners sometimes have heard of the Daniels running formula and there's a book and it's like a training philosophy from Jack Daniels, who's like a very prominent, um, coach and part of his book actually has like this whole section on treadmill calibration and if you think putting a bike on a treadmill is 
a lot of work, then this might not be for you. But you can probably Google this or you might have to get the book. It's like three pages long. I can't read the entire thing on the podcast right now. But it's about treadmill calibration. And basically, you like make a mark on the belt of the treadmill. And then you go to certain speeds and you like count how many times you're seeing the revolutions. And then you he walks you through the math to go along with that whole process to see if like the actual revolutions per minute is like matching the speed that it's telling you. And you're just like standing there counting and watching the, the like mark fly by as it goes. So he does walk you through that entire process in the book if you want to um, really go that far. But Amelia, I think the short version here is that most of us, if the effort feels about right, I would say 99% of people are going with kind of the interface in front of them on the treadmill to tell them, you know, you're going to have one offs every now and then, but try and find one that feels pretty right and stick with that as much as you can. Yeah. And definitely don't worry about the watch versus treadmill difference. I mean, I don't, yeah, that one's hard, especially if you're like, it depends on where you are in the building. And I think like, cause if they are trying to, if your watch is trying to find GPS, if it, oh gosh, I definitely don't, I, I don't mess with that part, but I do like the heart rate part time, heart rate. That's always good. That, that one doesn't need GPS to work. And Haley, so moving on. Oh, actually, well, our listeners, you can always send in your questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. I think I forgot to include that at the start of the mailbag, but that's all you'll get our lovely um, little little segments on treadmill accuracy. If you have questions for us, please let us know because we do. We love answering these and it's fun for us. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We love very thorough answers. We'll give you all of our past experience, but thank you, Amelia, for writing in. So we do have an interview this week. We are talking to Fanny Kuhn. And so Fanny is a Swedish swim run athlete. She and her racing partner, Desiree Anderson, actually won the 2019 Otillo Swim Run World Championship last year in Sweden. They also won one of the last pre-pandemic races at the Otillo World Series race in Catalina, California, just this past March. It was, I believe, the first Otillo World Series race in the United States. So it was a pretty big deal. Fanny has a background in swimming. She swam at the University of Louisville, though now she lives in Spain. So she's also going to tell us a little bit about what it's like to live in Spain right now and how she's handling living and training during lockdown. Fanny is a huge proponent of getting more women racing swim run. So she gives us tips on where to start and offers some insight on her wild swim run camps. We'll have our conversation with Fanny right after the break. triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt that was Teresa Helsel dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete earlier this year Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing and luckily Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Hi, Fanny. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thank you so much. So we believe that you are currently living in Barcelona and we understand that Spain has been under some of the most strict conditions during the COVID-19 pandemic. So Can you just tell us a little bit about what life is like for you right now? 
Yeah, it's it's pretty special. It's it's changed drastically from my usual life here, because we, uh, you know, we, you cannot go out. You only can go out if you uh, need to get groceries or if you need to go to the pharmacy or something like that. And then you have to show a receipt that you're actually going somewhere, and and the stop can and and uh, the the cop can stop you and ask where you're going. And it's, and it's like cops everywhere around, so it's it's pretty scary. But it's it's to contain the the virus and and. It, ease up for the hospital. So it's something that we just have to do. So it's just to deal with it. But I mean, I cannot swim, I cannot run. So I have to be creative and do workouts in my apartment. So it's a little bit different. We're definitely going to ask you about some of those workout apartments. But before we, we get into that, you, you're originally from Sweden. You're living in Spain right now, but you also swam at the University of Louisville. And I um, actually just interviewed a couple days ago one of the assistant coaches at the University of Louisville, Stephanie Yunker. And when I was doing a little research on you, I think you and Stephanie might have been swimming around the same time. You're a little bit younger than me, so you weren't ever swimming with me. But um, is that right? Did I get? Do you know Stephanie? Yeah, we were we were in the same class. So we uh, I know Stephanie very well, and we uh, we I mean almost grew up together in our college time. So it was it was really fun. And now she's a, a coach at, in the, of the team. But we were teammates when swimming together, and also actually doing a lot of sets together because we were both 400 IMers. So we had a lot of those tough sets together. <laughs> 400 IM. I yeah. can't even imagine that as a non-swimmer person. I'm just like that is the one that no one ever wants to do I feel like so that's a special person right there that would want to do that (laughs) yeah I guess yeah to make this like small world even smaller like I actually drove Stephanie to uh, swim practice when she was in probably like fifth grade or something like so when she was probably like 11 or 12 years old I was like her chauffeur to swim practice so no way yes (laughs) and she has some funny stories that you'll have to ask her about sometime but she is now an expert and she gave us some indoor swim tips so we're excited to have another Louisville Cardinal on the uh, podcast but how so you're from Sweden how did you come about living and um, training at University of Louisville and what was that like when you were only 17 or 18 years old well I guess I mean looking bad, back at it I I think I was kind of courageous doing it but at the time it it seemed like the thing that I really wanted to do and it I'd heard of other swimmers that went to the US and uh, to study and and swim in a swim team and ever since high school I thought it it sounded really cool so I studied my, in my high school at, in a class that we had some um, lectures on English and uh, so preparing for it and then uh, I uh, had some help to, st- to contact schools in, in the U.S. And I talked to the head coach, Arthur Albiero, and uh, he sold Louisville to me. And it seemed like a really nice town. And, and, uh, and the team was really good. So I just said yes. And then uh, I came there without even having visited the U.S. before. So it was, it was kind of scary then. But right when I got there, the, the girls from the swim team took, took care of me and they showed me the U.S. and and it was a really nice way to get into the culture and and know everyone and just always being part of the team. It's really nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Louisville was my first Ironman, so I can't speak much to the college sports or anything there, but I know the town a little bit after racing there, and it is it's a good good place to get introduced to the U.S. I guess, but it's good to oh, hear that the girls yeah, on the we, team took care of you. We actually volunteered every year at the Ironman, like helping in the water, being like stewards in the water, writing the numbers on the athletes' arms. 
it, it was really fun. Yeah. I, one year I, when I did it, Stephanie actually waved at me while I was swimming by because she was volunteering really? in the water. Yes. <laughs> but um, oh, that's, that's cool amazing. that you were out there too. You might've been out there. I think Alyssa and I both raced that race. So it's like all coming full circle now. <laughs> Great. Yeah. That's really wild. We all were in the same place at the same time years and years ago, but <laughs> Now the world is obviously a very different place. Most of our listeners who are probably listening to this right now are not able to swim because of the shelter in place laws and pool closures in their area. So some know, like I know of with the athletes I coach are able to get to open water still a little bit for swimming. So do you have a favorite open water workout session that some of our listeners could try if they have access to that? Well, if you have, if you have buoys when you swim, I think it's a nice workout to do that you try and uh, change uh, speeds with, between the buoys. So, for example, if you go one way and uh, then on the way back you go, like you swim two buoys and one buoy back and you do the, the back way like a little bit faster, that that way you get in a lot of meters and uh, or yards and uh, and you can get get a good workout in and going back and forth and it, it ends up being long but, but it doesn't feel that long and uh, but I think now also it's it's in many waters it's quite cold so a good idea would would get would be to do some sprints out and in in out and in from the water and uh, maybe get up and doing some jumping jacks in between and doing some exercises just to keep uh, keep the heat up it, it could be good as well. That's that's usually what we've done because I hold a, an open water group in the swimming club that I go to here in Barcelona. And we, we've done stuff like that just to keep the heat up, to get out a little bit, almost like swim run. I, this is a very interesting idea. I've never actually tried that, but I might mm-hmm. uh, if I can get into some open water in the summer here. But for those of us who are without any access to water right now, what is your advice for what we should be doing before we can get back in the pool? Well, I think the only thing that you can do is, is, is focus on getting stronger in your core and flexibility and doing some strength training. I mean, I, I also have it kind of difficult because my neighbors complained that I was jumping too much in the apartment. So I have to be a little bit extra careful. <laughs> so, but there is a lot of workouts online. Like I found in, in Instagram, a lot of athletes put up examples of, of videos you can do. And actually our club has live sessions. If you look around for that to do a live session, it really helps because it feels like you're doing it with people, even though you're by yourself in the apartment. And then also to get a group together and do a workout together. We do that with uh, Wild Swim Run, actually. The, um, and every week we try and do a, a workout online together on Zoom just to have a group feel about it and, and uh, try and it's, it's just much more fun working out that way than just having to do it all by yourself in, in your apartment. Trying to maintain the human contact, I think, in this time, any way you can is pretty important. Um, We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about specifically the swim run and some of the racing that you have done there. And the United States just hosted its first ever Attilo World Series race on March 1st in Catalina Island, California. You and your partner, Desiree Anderson, won the women's race and were seventh overall. And I think you even beat all the mixed gender teams. So... First, I'm like reading this and realizing I probably am saying Attilo, like in the most American way possible. So is that how you suggest that we say it? Um, We want to know that first. And then second, what did you think of the race at Catalina Island? Well, Attilo, you you really say Attila. So it's a little more, 
like I mean try and sound as Swedish as you can I mean many people say that if you really overdo it and feel like you're making fun of a Swede and try to say it then you you, you probably get it right <laughs> that's good to know perfect okay so yes. now that we have Attila what did you think of Catalina I heard some reports of like it being really cold a lot of super steep stuff but but what did you think being out there uh, I, I thought it was an amazing place to come to. And I'm, I'm so happy that I got to race there, especially now that it seems like a world ago. But um, just to come out there and uh, see the beautiful islands and the beautiful views. And especially, I think, the, the swimming was what surprised me the most. It was very different from other waters that I've swam in. The, the big, uh, like, algae or the seagrass for, forest almost that, that is there. And it was a lot of fishes, like orange fishes and and uh, we yeah we saw actually a big tuna fish when we were swimming in the race and stuff so that was really cool and of course it was really tough the the uphill it was very 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 what, what do you say it was it was a lot of and plus meters if you if you say so and uh, so it was tough but it was also very rewarding when you've done one of those big hills you got to see the whole island from from above it's really amazing i think it's one of the most beautiful places i've, I've done a, a swim run that is great to hear a rave review in September 2019, you and Desiree won the Attila World Championships in your native country of Sweden. You've been the runner-up in the women's category the previous two years. So what did it feel like to win? It was it was very nice to finally win. Like since I've, I've gotten second the two years before and the other two times I did, I got third and, and fourth. So it was about time to, to win this time. So it was we were very happy we managed to do that this year. Was there like a big, you know, is there a big like hubbub around in Sweden? Like, can you help us like understand, you know, where, did you become a celebrity? Are people like asking for your autograph everywhere? Well, it's, I think swim run is known and people know what you say when, when, when you say that you do swim run in Sweden, but uh, it's not on that level yet. I'm not, I'm not as famous as, as a swimmer or like Sarah Koster or something like that. No, no, no. But, but maybe one day will the sport will get there. We'll see. And in 2015 and 2016, you competed in the world championships on a mixed gender team. So what goes into your decision about how, how do you choose what category to race? Well, I, I, yeah, I started racing mixed a lot because it was a friend of mine, the Pierre Christopher, that Christopherson that got me into swim run. So then, and it worked really well to race with him. So I raced with him for two years. And then uh, I wanted to try how it would be to to do it with a, with another girl. So I tried to race in the women's category, and then that led me to um, uh, come in contact with Desiree. And since we raced together, we we just fit very well, and uh, it's it's been going really well. So we've continued racing together. But I've raced also with other people, and it's always fun to to race with another person because it's always different teamwork, a different experience, and and yeah, something something new. So it's it's fun. I was reading the qualification procedures for the 2020 Octilla World Championships specific to the Catalina race, and I was surprised to see the qualification slots were awarded to the top three men's team, top three mixed teams, and top two women's teams. Are there always fewer slots awarded to women's teams? 
Yeah, that's the thing because if you look at the starting field, it's much less women women team in in the start field. So it might be maybe in, in Catalonia it was quite good. We were like 30 women's teams, and but usually the mixed teams are like 50 or 100 men's teams. So it wouldn't really be fair to allocate three spots for women when it, when it's not as high of a competition. But I mean, I think it's a bummer that not as many women's teams are in the sport. So that's actually what we're we're also trying to work on with with Wild Swim Run, um, and try to get more women into it. But it's but it's difficult. I don't really know why either that it's less women's teams in the starting field. Well, hopefully a rave review of the Catalina race and some of the other races that are popping up around will keep encouraging more women to boost those numbers. And in 2019, the three-time defending champion women's team of Annika Erickson and Kristen Larson didn't race because Kristen was out on maternity leave. So are you hoping to have a rematch with the other Swedish duo um, late August this year, you know, assuming the world is a little bit more back to normal and, and the race goes as planned? Yeah, we'll see about that. It would be fun actually to to race uh, race with them again. They're great athletes, and and uh, it would be a really tough fight, I think, between between us. But we'll see how how everything plays out, and if they're going to race together, and and if Desiree and I race together also. But of course, it would be it would be very fun to do that. Well, I hope I hope we can have that race, and <laughs> but we do want to talk about getting into swim run because I think this is something that a lot of people are interested in, but they don't know where to start. So we read that going into your first swim run race, I, I think the race involved like 35 kilometers of running, but you have a swimming background and you had never run more than 10 kilometers. So can you tell us about your start in the sport? Yeah, I mean I've. I was afraid of the running. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I remember the, I remember talking to Para like, cause it was like two weeks before the race or something that he told me to do it. And now, and I was like, it was, I don't really know why I said yes, but I guess it was because of the adventure and I just wanted to do it. And I remember going out running, try to run in the pace that he said that we were going to hold. And I was like dying after three kilometers. <laughs> But then, I don't know, somehow we got through it. And what I noticed that first race is that it's not as bad. Like, it's not like running 35 kilometers because in swim run, you get to rest or like rest on the swimming. I mean, if you're a swimmer, the swimming becomes like a little break and you only actually run a few kilometers at a time. So it makes it very manageable. So it's not like... It's not like running a marathon. Well, I don't know because I haven't run a marathon, but uh, but I think it's different because mentally you break it up, so you don't have to be so afraid of running really far because it's not like that really. And also the running is in the forest usually, and things are happening during the runs. It's not usually running on an asphalt road, so so you will have a lot of fun. And it's not just like thinking of running and running and running. It's 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 different. That, that's what I've noticed also. But of course, as a swimmer, you have to be a little bit careful with your running training so that you don't do too much at once. So like, don't go and, oh, I'm going to do this swim run that's 40 kilometers. Let's go for my first run ever for 20 kilometers. It's probably not a good idea. So yeah, but I think many athletes know know this and, and that you should take it easy in the beginning if you're starting something new as well. 
As not a natural swimmer, I don't think the swim would be much of a break for me, but I will say that at least when you have the paddles and the buoy and the wetsuit and everything, it does lend itself to a little bit lower heart rate swimming, I think. So um, I can see at least where you can kind of gather yourself before, you know, hitting the ground again to have to to run pretty hard. So when I think about swim run, you know, I, I think about the, I did like a very short sprint one. Right. And then I think about like the pictures I've seen of some of the longer ones and things like that. And I just, I remember from my own experience, like feeling like I was juggling all of these extra things, like I was racing with and carrying everything and things were flying everywhere. And so like, basically when you're going to do your first thing of anything, you're going to make mistakes. And so a swim run is surely no different because it does have this like extra gear component that you're carrying with you. So do you have any funny stories or anything from like that first race or even your first season racing swim run about some of the mistakes you were making, or are there anything you see first timers doing that you can maybe give them a heads up on things to avoid as they take on their first swim run? Well, uh, one thing that I did in that first race, I actually raced with a, a full length suit. Like I did it. It was, it was like an open water suit Usually in swim run, you cut it off above the knees. And I definitely recommend doing that because it was really hard running with that long, long swimsuit. And because your knees are covered with neoprene, it gets really hard every step to bend them. So I really recommend cutting your your suit at least uh, at least the legs. And also, I mean, nowadays I only race with short sleeve also because I, I think you're not you don't really need the, that extra heat on the forearms. So so that's that's something that I recommend to do that I like. And then if you're not, if you're not a swimmer, I think you should be careful with the paddles in the beginning also and train a little bit with the paddles in the pool or in, in your trainings before. So you don't get a lot of injuries in your shoulders and, and so on. Those are some things that I can think of. And uh, I, I recommend using the pool boy because it really helps you float a little bit better and, and you can, um, and you can rest your legs and it, it compensates a bit for the, for the the shoe weight that you have when you swim with the shoes also. So swim run is a partner sport, which makes it kind of unique for, for people like us who are triathletes, or even if we come from a swimming background, I mean, collegiate swimming, you're on a team, but your race is by yourself. So can you tell us about you know, the different partners? You mentioned a few that you've had through your time, but how you go about picking a partner, and you mentioned Desiree Anderson, your current partner, that you fit together. What, what, how did you meet Desiree, and how do you know that it's a good fit? Well, um, I think you, for the first part, you have to look for someone that's kind of equal. I mean, you can, as some people might have heard, you can use a rope in swim run or a tether. So you can pull each other if you're uneven in the running and the swimming. But if you're too uneven in one of the disciplines, it's, it's, it gets very hard. So I re really recommend to try and find someone that it's more or less your, your level in swimming and running. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, Desiree and I race well together because we're very similar level in both. Like I might be a slightly faster swimmer and she's now actually quite a lot better runner than me. So that, but that little bit makes us push each other, push, push each other. So like I usually swim first in the swims and, and she drafts on me and then she keeps up the pace and the running and sometimes pull me with a rope also. So that's a good advantage to have that little nudge where you're not equal in, but it's, it should not be too much because it gets very tiring if you have to pull the other person too much and then you get too tired. But 
I think everything also can get solved with with communication between uh, between the teammates because you have to tell each other if you're tired because it's no point if the other person just pushing and then you get even more tired and you die and then the person has to carry you to the finish line. So so communication and talking during the race, like how you're feeling, reminding each other about the the nutrition is also very important. So that's what makes up the whole teamwork in the sport, which is also a big, big part of your success in it. But also you asked how I met uh, Desiree. Like she's also a swimmer in another club in, uh, in Stockholm. So I knew who she was uh, all the time. But then it was actually through um, Team Anvil's Nicolas Ramirez that introduced us to like, why don't you do, do a race together? So so it was in uh, Attila Var 2018, we did the first race together. And since then, we, we really it really worked out well. So, so I'm happy for that. Do you and Desiree train together when you're not normally in lockdown? I, I think she's still in Stockholm and you're in Barcelona. How does that work? Well, we... Uh, I go back to to um, Stockholm now and then because I, I work for a Swedish company. So we uh, we get to train together then when I come over. And sometimes we try to go to training camps together. And, and then like all the races that we have done now, it's, uh, it's a lot of training in them also. So I think we're quite comfortable and we know where we have each other. So but yeah, it's we, we cannot trade, train together on a, on a daily basis, which is it. I think that would be good also if, if you can train with your teammate, that's uh, that's an advantage. Absolutely. And Fanny, you talked a bit about communication and how important that is. And so like, you know, thinking about racing something that long individually and the highs and lows that accompany that in an Indian endurance sport, like there's going to be a bunch of them, right? So does it ever get tense? Like when people are kind of having a low and maybe the other person feels okay, or, you know, like how do you advise people to like handle themselves if their partner is having a low moment or, you know, vice versa. Like, what do you, how do you recommend the person in the low moment kind of reacting when they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to keep up with my partner and we're early in the race, you know, like what have you done to get through those times? Well, it's, you have to think about, I think one, the, the outcome of the team and, and like think about why you're doing it also, because I mean, I do swim around because I really love it and I think it's it's really fun. And it's it's not fun if you're going to be complaining or like being mad at each other. So try and keep up a positive tone throughout the race. I think that both Desiree and I are good at doing. So, but of course, but we tell each other if we're tired and, and if you have a low moment you and you're the one that are strong at at the moment, you should uh, try and encourage the other person. And even if you you feel like you have a lot of energy, try and use that energy to to push the other person, maybe get out the tether and try and, and push for a little bit, tell the other person to grab a gel or like some nutrition, some water, and, and you can try and keep going. It's all about encourage, encouraging each other along the way, so to say. But I've heard, I've heard stories, fun stories about teens that get really mad at each other, especially if you're doing it maybe with your husband or wife. <laughs> you can... <laughs> Some people say like what 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 is said on the swimmer course is stays on the swimmer course. So so I, I think it can get pretty intense also depending on the person that you you race with. <laughs> so uh, sorry, do you have a coach or are you does Desiree have a coach? Do you have the same coach? How are you strategizing what you do? do I mean, are you talking about your training when you're not together? 
a little bit. Sometimes we encourage each, each other, but usually we just do our own things. I mean, we both we both work full time, so we cannot just decide exactly what we're going to do each day and 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 so on. So we try and, and uh, we we tr we schedule our training separately. Like I in Barcelona, I here I train with a an open water group and I also joined a trail running group. So I, I, I like training with people. So I, I tried, I, I push myself much harder than so. So that's what I try to do. And, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I structure my, my training from my previous experience as being an athlete and, um, it it usually works out all right. So basically you train with different groups, but you are the kind of overseeing person. You're your own overall coach. Yeah, I, I guess I would say I would say that. <laughs> of course, then I have had a lot of help along the way from 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 friends in the swim run world and and so on that has given me some tips on both technique and and plans for training and so on. So, for one example, is Nicolas Ramirez that runs Team Team Anvil. He's he's really good at swim run training plans. He helped me a lot when when I was on the team. But now I, I train for wild swim run, and there we're trying we're trying also to do some group workouts and group things. So so uh, it's a lot. If you're looking for that within swim run, there's there's a lot that that you can find as well. And I imagine that while the lows can be pretty low in endurance sports, like I also wonder if maybe the highs can be higher in swim run because you have someone to share those moments with, right? So would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with that. I was. I was thinking about that actually when when we were swimming out there in Catalina in uh, in the it was quite tough swims with with a lot of current and waves and you we never got it anywhere and I was just so happy to have Desiree there next to me and 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 share it with with her and it, it just wouldn't be the same crossing the finish line by myself it's just how swim run is then that, that's really a part that that makes it so much fun and I think it also contributes to the to the nice aura and the community around swimmer. And that it's really a a big force of everyone just helping each other and and also being kind to nature and and just in general, really nice people always around. So the race in Catalina took you a little over five hours. The World Championships, I think your best time is around nine hours. Do these races have aid stations, or are you carrying all the fuel that you need? No, they they have a, they have a lot of aid stations. I would say about every hour there's an aid station. So I think in Catalina there were probably at least five aid stations. I think so. So you can you can uh, there they usually have like fruits and bars and. And oh, in, in Catalina, they had peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. And uh, yeah, just a bunch of energy that you can grab if you want. But I, I know some people that that um, that just carry their their own stuff anyways. I usually bring a few gels also for in between the stations. But if you want to, I think you would be fine eating at the only the stations as well. Do you stop like you do in a trail race or are you like eating on the go more like you would be in a triathlon? Well, um, in swim run, you have um, you you cannot use um, paper cups, so you have you bring your little cup with you usually. So so you have to stop and fill it up. So like usually we do that stop fill. Up, I usually drink two cups, and then and then grab something like to eat to run with. So it's just it's it's about stopping like thirty seconds or something like that. 
And so we want to know a little bit about Haley. Did you have any other fueling questions? You looked oh, like no. maybe you, you were going, okay. I like, I like, I'm like loving this idea that in a, you know, in a five hour race, there's still time to like stop and like for 30 seconds, like be efficient and stop like, and it's eco-friendly. I, I'm just, this is all fascinating. <laughs> I think the efficiency is probably key. Like I'm guessing, Fanny, did you eat any of the peanut butter sandwiches or was just that a fun novelty? That seems like it would be something that's more than 30 seconds to eat. Yeah, well, they were kind of little, I actually had a bite because I just felt like I had to because when I lived in the U.S., like I discovered peanut butter and I just started loving it. So I just had to take a bite. (laughs) But uh, but, uh, usually, I mean, it's a quick, I don't even know if it's 30 seconds we stop, but but, uh, but just it's important to get that water in you because I don't like I don't like running with a lot of water in like in the water bladder in the wetsuit so just try to drink the water on the aid station so yeah there's there's time to do that usually I actually so we want to oh go ahead I was gonna say I used to eat peanut butter sandwiches like Uncrustables while during Ironman (laughs) but then when I started racing internationally like it was hard to find them it is harder to I didn't realize (laughs) peanut butter was like an American thing so um, I'm glad that Catalina was representing with the peanut butter sandwiches but anyway Alyssa go ahead I interrupted In, um, you know, like our quote normal life when training can get back to, you know, how we're used to it and not confined to your apartment. So how much of your training is done open water versus pool? And do you do like a lot of swim run bricks? Like, are you, is that mostly if you're open water or do you do that at the gym too? Well, yeah, I only do swim run open water, I would say. Um, but I do, it depends on the season if it's more open water. Like from May, I try to do the main part of the workouts in open water. So maybe then I do like three swims open water and just one or two in the pool. And now, now in when it's not so, it's, it you can swim in in open water, but you can't really be in there for a long time. It's like 13 degrees Celsius. I don't really know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's cold, but doable could, yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, now I, I do most of the training in the pool. So, so it, it really depends on the season, but I prefer open water swimming. I definitely do. Yeah. And, oh, and swim run. Um, I do some, I mean, it depends also on the season. When I can, I go up to the, the Costa Brava here above Barcelona and um, and do some swim run sessions with friends. But it's it's a little bit of a um, project to go up there also because it's a, a, like an hour and a half drive and, and so on. But um, and then sometimes I do some swim run trainings um, on the beach. But it's maybe it's, it's not nothing like scheduled. It's, it's like sometimes I do one of my long sessions as swim run on the weekends, but, but usually not in the weekdays. Then I just do separately running and swimming. Swim run is notorious for cold water and challenging trails. So my first question is what is the coldest water you've swum in? Well, that was actually on our wild swim run camp last year in Uta. That's part of the course for the world championship. So we were there with a bunch of girls and did some swim run in May in Sweden. So the water was actually six degrees. So it was it was so cold. And it was actually one of the days there, it snowed. And then we, even though, yeah, and we went in the water anyways, it was crazy. But then it was only like a, a hundred meters. So, so it was, it was short, but it was so cold. I don't think it would not have been possible to do much more than that. 
I'm actually that's like, 42 degrees Fahrenheit, 42.8 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit for Thank those for, of us who aren't good at the conversions. Yeah. Thank you for looking that up. I was like Googling the same thing. I'm like, oh my God, what is six? That is cold. What, how, like, do you have any tips for, for when you're going to go into water that cold? Do you do anything different? Well, kind of, I, I kind of have to have, to, I think it's, it's a good thing to kind of keep your head up as much as you can, because then otherwise you just get the brain freeze. And when, as you, when you drink like a really cold smoothie or something like that, that's kind of what happens to you. So if you, if you, I would say just keep the head kind of up a little bit, but I don't know. I don't really enjoy swimming in that cold water. <laughs> I don't know if many people do. What about the steep trail aspect? Are you, do you, you mentioned getting up to Costa Brava is quite difficult for you. Do you do anything like stairs or anything that to help you tackle steep inclines if you don't have them near where you live? Well, I'm, I'm lucky to have some really good trail mountains around Barcelona here. So, so I get to train it a lot, but I think you can train it as in stairs and you can go, um, that's what I do now. Actually, I try to walk and run a bit in my stairs, <laughs> but uh, but then uh, I think you can almost always find a little hill somewhere that you can do sprints in up and down if you want to train it. And and uh, I think for for hill training, it's good to do some strength also, like regular exercises like squats and lunges and so on. I think you can probably get a long way with that as well. And Fanny, you're very passionate about getting more women and girls into swim run. So can you tell us about, you've mentioned now wild swim run and the camps and the community there, but can you give us like the official, um, you know, breakdown of what that is and where people could go to find out more to get involved in that? Yeah, of course. So, so Wild Swimrun is an organization that I run together with uh, Maria Roman. Uh, that's also a, a really good swim runner. And um, we uh, we have the Wild Swimrun community. You can go to our website and check it out. And we have a Facebook group as well where you can follow us just to get some inspiration about swim run and then we also have the wild swim run club where you can be a member and then you get some uh, workouts inspiration and uh, membership clothes and discounts from our partners and on camps and then um we uh, we have uh, we also have some teams competing for wild swim run in different competitions and we're also trying every time trying to facilitate for young teams to to compete for for wild swim run so we help them get into the races and uh, we're always trying to do more things to get young women into swim run and um, that's why we have this uh, wild youth foundation where we, uh, we in different ways we try to get young women into the sport for example we we got a donation from Ruben McRae the uh, last year uh, towards a scholarship to our camp, so we were able to invite uh, two um, two girls uh, from 15 to 20 years old to come to the camp for free. Thanks to that, so in different ways, we we just try to get more women and uh, and girls into the sport and just creating a fun environment where you can get into it and try it and and having a group of of uh, girls to go with on on the camps and and so on. So so that's just a little bit of what we're trying to do. Is this international? Do you have to be in Sweden or in Europe to to participate? 
No, it's it's international. Absolutely, we have. Uh, you can. I mean, you can check out all the content online and so on. And and uh, it's it's completely global. And we try to make everything accessibly accessible digitally. I mean, we also run everything together because Maria lives in Stockholm and I live in Barcelona. So we are used to doing everything digitally, so to say. And then we try to meet up on the events. So, for example, in Catalina, um, we. I stayed with Desiree, but Mia stayed with the in the wild house that they rented a big house with with all the girls that were competing for us. And there were two two American ladies that came in touch with us actually and stayed with us there. So it's it really it, it was really fun. I love the name the wild house. So <laughs> for our listeners who are ready to take on some run, you mentioned some partner discounts. Can you give us your know, gear recommendations, wetsuit, paddles, shoes, buoy? Can you mention, mention any of your sponsors or the wild swim run partners that you, you, uh, you alluded to there? Yeah, absolutely. We have, we have a, a main partnership with Vivo Barefoot Shoes and it's a shoe that helps you develop your muscles and free your feet. So it's, it's a minimalist shoe. So, uh, you can check that out online also. They have a big uh, promotion now, actually, I think. So if you want to check out their, their site, they have a specific swimmer shoe if you want to use that. Uh, but it's also shoes for walking around in everyday life and to strengthen your feet and, and uh, get closer to nature. But then um, I myself, I use uh, head, uh, head equipment for, for my um, wetsuit. I, use, I like the head aero wetsuit. I think it's very nice and flexible to use. Then I usually race with um, GoCoco compression socks. And uh, I use uh, a pull buoy from Swimrunners. Um, it's very handy. Like It's a black foam one. That's pretty big. And then um, what else? I use um, stroke maker paddles and just like uh, flat paddles. And yeah, I think I think that's it. <laughs> and this wouldn't be the Iron Women podcast without asking you this final question, of course. So have you considered getting into cycling at all and giving triathlon a try at all in the coming years? Well, I have actually done a triathlon once. It was after I was done with swimming. I I didn't know really what to do, so I joined a, a, a triathlon group to train. Just to, I wanted to try it, and then I I ended up doing a, a Olymp, Olympic triathlon. I think it was. Yeah, it went it was fun. It went pretty well, but I was very slow in like getting in the transitions and the biking. I wasn't very good at it. I mean, I guess I didn't really give it a shot. But then I got got into swim run and now I really like that. So so we will see. But you never know what the, what the future might hold. Someone needs to get you a trainer and a bike so you can ride in your apartment and, and annoy those neighbors a little bit more. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but thank you so much, Fanny, for coming on the show today. We really enjoyed learning about Swim Run, and you've definitely inspired some people, including a couple co-hosts, I think. Alyssa, we should try this. <laughs> great. You definitely should. <laughs> okay, Alyssa, imagine you're stranded on a deserted island, and you have to pick one thing to drink for the rest of your life. What would you choose? Haley... I think I'd have to go with Noon Sport Watermelon Flavor. Nice choice. 
Personally, I'd opt for the Noon Endurance Lemon Lime flavor because in my deserted island fantasy, I'm still getting in regular 90-minute workouts. That sounds totally reasonable. The good news is that all Noon Hydration products are made with clean, quality ingredients that are good for your body and the planet. So if you ever find yourself on a deserted island, or maybe just in the middle of a really long training day, you'll be thankful that Iron Women podcast listeners get 30% off all Noon Hydration purchases by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. Okay, Alyssa, I know you dipped your toe into the swim run world when you did the prologue, I think, was it at Savage Man, was a little sprint swim run race. Does the a nine or 10 hour swim run race, does that appeal more or less to you? It appeals a lot more, but it also terrifies me because we also did that swim run practice session at um, camp with where Hillary Biscay's camp this past January in San Diego. And that was a two hour session of swim run. And I was like, so tired. I mean, I was, I was spent. So I feel like, I mean, swim run is very, very difficult and learning to go that, like you get to each new segment and you just feel like you need to be going completely balls out each time. And so I just, I feel like wrapping my head around that pacing element is like very intriguing, but I, I feel like if anyone can do it, I surely could figure out a way, but I don't know the cold water also at the same time. So a lot to think about Haley. I don't know. I think cold water might be like, make me want to do it more just because I feel like I do pretty well in cold water, but yeah, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see when, when swim run comes back, but maybe that what if the pools never reopen, we'll all be swim running out in uh, open water just to like, to remember how to swim. But anyway, it was great, great conversation with Fanny definitely got me thinking and I really appreciate what she's doing to get more women involved in the sport get more competition for her because I guess you know she wants some competition it makes it more fun and that website for Fanny's swim run camps is wildwomenswimrun.com and so check that out learn more about swim run definitely get into it so thanks so much Fanny for coming on uh, and for our listeners you can always check out the live feisty content coming out this week, the happy hours, the pit my pain cave winners, uh, all of those things. You can send us mailbag questions at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on your podcast podcast app of choice. We always really appreciate that. Um, or you can join us at our Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash live feisty. There's a lot of ways you can stay involved with us through this time and we appreciate anything you can do. All right. I think that's it for us, Alyssa. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Haley. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women podcast is a live feisty media production.